Hey everybody, welcome to Artifice episode 71. Um, I just do have actually one tiny announcement this week, which is that uh, last Friday, um, the deluxe version of Masks dropped on Spotify. So you can hear the bonus tracks um, that are on the printed version of the album. So if you want to check out the whole album from start to finish with the bonus tracks, you can get that on Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon and wherever you find music um, that is available now. Um, the other announcement that I want to make is that I'm going to take a two-week break from Artifice um, starting after this episode. So um, so I will be back with another episode in September. And don't worry or get stressed out. Um, not that you would. You know, it's really just me. I'm telling myself. Um, but the only reason I'm doing it is that normally I like to keep a pretty good... Um, <clears throat> like a buffer between when I'm doing interviews and when I need to release an episode so that if someone needs to cancel or something, um, I don't like run out of episodes. And, you know, people do need to cancel because artists' schedules are odd. Um, but since coronavirus has started, it has been like worse, um, shockingly. Um, and the really nice buffer that I had um, I use it up during during the beginning of quarantine. So <clears throat> I don't know. It just feels like too close. Like if one person cancels, I like won't have a new episode. So I'm just going to take those two weeks to kind of, you know, for my own um, peace of mind, not being worried if someone needs to cancel um, just so that I can kind of like build build back up a little a little um, tail if I so that um so that I won't have to worry about not having an episode for you guys. So um, with that said, I'm going to leave you off before this little, I'm going to call it like, you know, let's think. It can be like a back to school kind of a break, although <clears throat> back to school is fraught and complicated right now. Um, anyway, whatever. It's the end of August break. Um, my original plan was to only take a break um, at the end of December between like, you know, different seasons of the podcast. But this year is odd. Who knows? I don't know. Um, so I'm going to take I'm going to take these two weeks. Um, but I wanted to leave you off on a fun episode. Um, so today's episode is with Guy Seidel, who's a comedian who's based in Salt Lake City. Um, you may remember back in, I want to say like episode six or seven, I interviewed Marcus Hardy, who is Guy's comedy partner, and they do a show together, um, and they travel all around and, and perform together, and it's like a musical comedy show. Um, and I've been wanting to interview Guy for a long time. I, I just kind of felt like I should space the two of them out. Um, so I finally had an opportunity to interview Guy. And um, and that's the episode I have for you today. So um, Guy's bio is nice and short. I'm going to read that to you now. Guy Seidel is a comedian, musician, business owner raised in a small town, but now based in Salt Lake City. He's traveled the country and more by himself as a comedian and as half of the musical comedy duo Marcus and Guy. And I've linked um, their website in the show notes. Um, check them out. And if you are the kind of person who hires um, entertainment for corporate holiday parties, um, 
consider hiring Marcus and Guy for your party. They're great. Um, they do they do a clean show for um, family friendly, you know, corporate events. And um, if you are living in the state of Utah, Marcus and Guy do perform here um, <clears throat> every so often. So if you follow their social media channels, um, you can you can see when they have shows and and go and support them in person um, when they're performing here. So that's all. I will be back in two weeks, the first Tuesday in September. Um, in the meantime, I hope you guys are doing okay and not getting too bummed out and depressed. I know I've, I've personally, I've mentioned it a couple of times. You guys are like, Emily, you've told us, but I've been feeling a little bit kind of bummed um, these last couple of weeks. I think it's just, it's all kind of you know, it's peaks and valleys and, it, and it's been a bit of a valley. Um, but hopefully, you know, after a couple of weeks, we'll all be feeling refreshed. Um, in the meantime, like I was going to say before I interrupted myself, um, I hope you guys are making stuff and trying to stay creative and finding, you know, little, little joys and little ways to kind of sparkle your brain. Um, if anybody wants to write to me and share some of the things you've been doing, I would love that. Um, otherwise, I will be back in two weeks and here comes Guy. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections. But we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Goldilocks Wraps. Goldilocks wraps are an all-natural and eco-friendly alternative to plastic wrap. These reusable beeswax food wraps are made by hand using locally sourced beeswax. And not only are they easy to clean, they keep your food fresh for longer. Goldilocks wraps combat single-use plastics with something that is both practical and beautiful. Especially in quarantine, I've been trying to buy produce in bulk and cook in a way that leaves leftovers for the following day. Goldilocks wraps have come in super handy as I'm covering up tomorrow's portion of my lovely home-cooked meals and wrapping up produce to use for future recipes later in the week. It should come as no surprise to anyone that I chose the pink floral set, and I love them all so much. They're so pretty, and it feels great to know I'm supporting a healthier planet in this simple way. Head to GoldilocksWraps.com and enter promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off your purchase today. Okay, awesome. I love it. I'm, well, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I, 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 like, as soon as we were friends on Facebook, I was like, I really want to talk to a guy. Um, oh, but I had, I had interviewed Marcus, like, right when I started my podcast, mm -hmm. and I thought I should, like spread you guys out oh yeah so, not a bad idea um yeah and i figure if it's a, it's a long a long kind of project for me if you want to put your feet on that you're welcome to too those are cool um, little ottomans yeah they're comfy they are, they are. <laughs> um so anyway so i always start with everybody with the same question which is can you talk to me about what you were like as a creative child like what was what was what were you like as a kid um very add 
never did well in school. Yeah. Um, I would, my favorite thing to do is flip my assignments over and draw on yeah. the back. Or my notebooks, the covers were always just every piece of paper in there. I had, to, I remember having to like, as a kid, look for a blank piece of paper that yeah. I hadn't drawn a monster truck on. I'm the same way, but I was drawing mermaids instead of yeah. monster trucks. And, and <laughs> I was, for my age at the time, I was like a pretty good, I could draw cartoons and yeah. stuff. Um, that was kind of my creative outlet as a kid. Okay. Um, I always loved music. I, I have four siblings who are significantly older than me. Okay. So like in the eighties when I was growing up, I loved music, but I wasn't making it at that time. Sure. I was just more into drawing and. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about like, what was the, what was the like culture in your home in terms of like how we think about creativity and art? Um, which like don't need to be the same thing if it's not clear. There like, wasn't really, my parents were both. I, I was raised by my mother and my stepdad. They were both music lovers. Okay. And my old man, my my stepdad, he was a musician, not a great one. Um, he could he could work his way around a piano. He was a bass player in a band. He any any he, he, he uh, dabbled with like accordion and keyboard. Oh, cool. um, so that tells me, like, I mean, one of the things that I. Like, so like I kind of just said before, I think it's really important to distinguish like creativity from the arts because right. they're not always the same. And certainly like, you know, maybe the more common thing is that people are creative and they're not doing art. I think that's maybe more common yeah. than the flip, which sometimes I think also does happen, which is like people are, you know, great pianists or something, but not creative. Creative. I think that about in this, I'm sorry if I offend anybody listening, but. I've always thought, imagine having the talent to be an amazing painter and just you can do these awesome paintings and then you choose to do paintings of elk. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. Uh, that's an awesome, perfectly yeah. accurate picture of an elk, but yeah. like no creativity went into that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I do think so. Like I get very like, what other what other paradigms can we look through? Like, how can we think about it? That's just like it's just like my how my brain likes to be. But, you know, I always think like, well, maybe, maybe the elk painter is like being creative with like how they're mixing the paint. Like, you know, there could be something, but I get, I get your point. hard. Yeah. Painting's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So I, I'm hearing like, you know, your dad, like just, or your stepdad, um, was exploratory with music, like trying different instruments. Playing it. Cool. I mean, he wasn't a concert, anything and neither am I. Yeah. But he, he, I, I remember was a kid thinking he, he would go over to the piano and like just pick yeah, out a it's tune. Play. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, that's so cool that he can do that without reading music. Yeah. And, and you know. And yeah. I think that's so important. Like just setting the stage for like what you think creativity like is about as right. a little kid. Um, what about like um, what kind of music were you listening to? And maybe more specifically, like, do you remember as a kid, like having the idea that maybe you were listening deeper than other kids or was that something that kind of came later? Um, probably came later. Okay. I always thought I had better taste than my peers only because let's say in the eighties when I was, you know, eight, 10 years old, my brothers were 18 and 20. Okay. Yeah. So they were listening to Motley Crue and the, quotation cool mark cool bands at the time um and i thought you know my friends were listening to 
whatever was Madonna. on dur- whatever whatever's yeah. on MTV and I'm just like you guys are lame I like cool music cuz my brother's cool. Right. Yeah. Um well just having that history. I mean, my my parents graduated from high school in 82 and 84. Um and like they are the kind of people who are always like listening to whatever's just on the radio mm-hmm. and I wasn't exposed to like gr- any older music until I was like in college. Yeah. Um, so your parents are my siblings age. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, age. What is it anyway? Right. Um, although I do feel like very aware on a regular basis that I'm like in the very kind of middle, you know, and everything I think I know is like, yeah, I, yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. It's cool. It's good to remember. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I grew up loving whatever my brothers. And when I got older, cause my mom lit, we had a pretty wide range of music in the house. My mom loved three kinds of music, cool. and that was Mexican music, um, like the the mariachi and the ranchero music, and old country, like from the f- literally from the forties cool. through the eighties, cool, and oldies like the doo wop, shabop, blah blah blah, cool fifties stuff. And growing yeah. up, I hated all of it. Yeah. Now, yeah, I love it. That's awesome. That was my going to be my next question. Like how how. Um, like broad where you're listening tastes as a kid. Yeah. So not that much as a kid, but you, you, I mean, even just, even just you saying that you had a sense that you had like better taste than your friends, like just the idea of taste as a kid right. is like something kind of rare, I think. Yeah. So that's cool. And then you were drawing a lot. Did the drawing like, did it, did it, was it just kind of like passing the time or did you feel like I'm a kid who draws? I, I saw myself as like a, Quotation marks again, artist. Okay, cool. Um, I and I, and for my age, you know, when I was eight, I could probably draw better than the other kids. Yeah. Right now, now if I was to try, I would. It would be that of an eight-year-old. I know. I'm the same way. But at that yeah, time, when you're, I could. You're good you know, back then. Yeah. And it <laughs> and was mostly just because my I ADD. It's been diagnosed. Everything. I yeah. I would focus for a minute and then bloop. Yeah. Pretty soon, I'm drawing. You need like something cartoons. to kind of yeah. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Um. What did it like? Can you reflect any more or tell me any more about like what it meant to you as a kid to feel like I'm an artist? Like what 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 did that what is that doing for you or like I guess it was kind of expressive because my parents my like I said I was raised by my stepdad. He had five grown children. Okay. My mother had four grown children. Many moons later I came along. So they were kind of when I was growing up, they were in their 40s. They had raised families, so they yeah. were kind of tired by the time I came along. So I wasn't neglected by any shot, but like... You kind of needed to be sparkly. They Yeah. If yeah. I wanted attention, you know, I kind of had to go out of my way to get it. Cool. Um, so I talk with my guests a lot. Like, I, I interview people from all sorts of mediums. Um, I'm curious about creativity and like what needs to happen in our lives in order for us to continue to make creativity a priority as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like for more of us to do it, you know? Right. Um, and one of the topics that I've, I'm always stuck on is, you know, where does creativity come from and where does like artistry come from? And like, what are these things? Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Like wh- what if it's innate? Like what if it isn't? I, I think, Part part of it might be genetic. You're you're born that way or not, but I also I've I've learned as I've gotten older because I've been a musician, I've been a comedian. Um, I I don't see myself as an artist really. 
Um, people might argue that, but I, I don't really see that. But Art is a very like loaded word. Yeah. But I think most people in the creative world have some trauma mm-hmm. or some, I had to fight for attention or I had to be seen this way, you know, either whether they had 10 kids in the family and they needed yeah. to stand out or my, my case, I was shorter than the kids at school. I wasn't, I didn't do great in, uh, you know, in school. I wasn't yeah. s- into sports. So I was, I was the funny kid and yeah. I loved music. It's like a problem solving. Yeah. I think, I, I feel like creativity is such like a meta kind of thing. Cause like we can get creative in like our actual mediums, mm-hmm. whatever they may be. But then like, it's also creative to kind of go like, well, I feel different. Like maybe I can sort of hack my way into belonging. Like, right. I mean, it's, it's like a bigger picture creative too. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So now you like you, you're, you're a musician and you work with words Correct. Were words like, important to you as a kid like were you reading or no 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 I I was always my and my teachers used to tell me this and I never understood it until I got older my teachers were always like you're really smart you just don't apply yourself Mm. which was true but in the in back then it was the ADD wasn't yeah, you really didn't a have thing. The tools, yeah. right? So, and and I always knew because I picked up reading real quick. I can read a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, um, I'm great with spelling. I'm great with grammar, for the most part. Um, even though I failed all of those subjects in school. Yeah. Um. So, but that part of your brain that, like, whatever, however you describe it, that like is kind of lighting up when you're like writing mm-hmm. now. Was that doing? Was that part of your brain doing anything when you were a kid, or did it kind of like wake um, up later? I don't really remember if if I was expressing anything as a young child, it was through art. Yeah. You know, I would draw, depending on the day, I would draw as, as just being a young boy, a monster truck running over a house and people's guts flying out. And, <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, a, a funny cartoon rabbit or whatever, yeah. depending on my mood. That so was the only way I really kind of expressed like, myself yeah, like then. Yeah, that, that storytelling is just like in the drawing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also think like when, you know, I teach children, um, not always, but sometimes, I mean, more often I teach teenagers. But when I work with kids, it's so remarkable to me, like there are children who like consume in an artful way mm-hmm. and who are paying attention and who are noticing things. Mm-hmm. And there are children who just like, it's so passive. Like they couldn't possibly care. I was, I was a sponge yeah. as a kid. And I've noticed that with my partner, Marcus, we can both reference deep things from a sitcom that was on for one season in right. the eighties. So um, your writing skills were maybe like, that's what was going on. With I that think there. that's what was happening You're, because I was just watching, you know, MTV as a kid. So all this pop culture and yeah. Nickelodeon and, and the new, my parents would watch the news. And as you, as you know, back then you watched what the, what your parents watched because yeah. that's what was on. Yeah. So I just absorbed as a kid, all the pop culture yeah. into, you know, into my twenties and stuff. I'm clueless about pop culture today, yeah. but back then, I was just absorbing it yeah. all. And it's, and, and certain people, like I said, like my partner, Marcus, we can, sometimes we'll just throw a reference out and be like, nice. Awesome. <laughs> that's nice. awesome. Yeah. And when <laughs> nobody else it. in the room got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's special. It's a good kind of, yeah. it's a good kind of friend to have. Yeah. I feel like I have the opposite thing where like my family was really into pop culture when I was growing up. Like they're just, you know, my dad was a football player and my mom was like a cheerleader and, mm-hmm. 
that should tell you most of the things you need to know. Um, and my husband's family are like nerds. Right. Um, and so like, we don't, we know none of the same references. Right. And I'll make a joke that I feel like is like a great joke and that he should know. And he's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like when we first got married, he said to me like one time he was like, are, is Janet Jackson related to Michael Jackson? And I was like, where have you been? Yeah, what? <laughs> what planet are you on? <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, do you know the movie Drop Dead Fred? It's so obscure. I feel Ru- like as a Yahoo comedian, Sirius. you might know it. Was that Yahoo Serious? No. No, 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 um, no. It was. Uh, it's like this imaginary friend. Right. Who played Drop Dead Fred, though? His name is like Rick something who what he's movie like a did british Yahoo serious do i have no idea i don't know who that is Look, but you know what i got my phone right here i'm gonna google okay while you're doing that i'm gonna tell this story all right so carrie fisher is in drop dead fred she plays like the friend the the she plays um i think it's like phoebe phoebe cates phoebe cats how do you say her name she's a main character with fred and okay. then carrie fisher plays her best friend and uh, Andrew and I were, my husband Andrew and I were watching some movie where Carrie Fisher was also in it. It's so Rick Mayall. Rick. Yeah. I, Rick I, knew, I, I had Rick. Yeah, he was Mayall. in the young ones. Anyway. I love him. I love that movie. Um, but like my husband's family grew up watching that. Anyway. So, uh, so we were watching something else that Carrie Fisher was in. And like halfway through the movie, he goes like, oh, I know what she's in. She's from Drop Dead Fred. And I was like, and Star Wars. <laughs> and Star Wars. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is just <laughs> speaking of deep references here, I just Googled that and Drop Dead Fred was played by Rick Mayall, male, whatever. He was in a British sitcom in the 80s called The Young Ones. Cool. That used to come on late at night on MTV. And it was these four British dirtbags who lived in this gross apartment. And his name was Vivian and he was the punk. And I am just now realizing that yeah. Drop Dead Fred was Vivian from The Young Ones. Oh. Well, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's bizarre. Drop Dead Fred. Yeah. Um, I, I and I'll, maybe I'll try to watch The Young Ones if I can find it. Sounds, they're, they're sounds like something YouTube. that would be hard it's, to find. It's very niche. Like most, I've showed a couple people and they're like, what? I like stuff that's weird. Yeah. I mean, again, like I feel like I'm just, I'm like turned on by creativity in general. Even if I'm like, this is not made for me. I don't really get it. I'm still just like excited about it. I can tell good from bad. That's what yeah. people who like, listen to my band. It's punk. And I'm like, I don't like punk, but I know good from bad. Let's yeah. hear it. Totally. Or I'm people like, like my daughter's way. a, my daughter's a singer and I'm like, okay, I might not like the style of music she's singing, but I know a good singer from a bad singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So let's go back. I got very distracted just now. Um, so I like to talk with people about how their creativity and their like artistic identity is developing when they're like in their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to say about like what was significant? Like when did you start playing guitar? 1992. We always had, my dad was a bass player. How old were you? Just really quick. In 92, I turned, I was 13, turned 14 in August of that year. Okay. Um, my old man was a bass player and in the, in the, when I was young, his band would practice at our house and they, they were just a cover band, you know, playing old time rock and roll and yeah. taking care of business and stuff like that. And I was always watching and he's like, holy cow, that's, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. We all, we, we had a guitar in the house. My dad had this, he wasn't a guitar player, but we had this old piece of junk, like guitar with three strings on it that somebody had given him. And I used to plunk around on it, but never really did anything. When I was four or 13, 92. So yeah, I would have turned 14 that year. Um, my brother my middle brother or my youngest brother who's still older than me, but yeah. the youngest brother I have, yeah. he and his uh, wife took me to see Ozzy Osbourne yeah. 
at the Delta Center at the time. And Ozzy had this guitar player named Zach Wild, who still plays guitar for him. But in 1992, Zach was this skinny 22-year-old kid with long blonde hair and, and these cool belt. And he just looked so cool yeah. that I was like, I, I want to do that. that. Yeah. So I told my mom and she knew how ADD I was. So she was like, well, let's let's find you a cheap guitar. So one of her friends or her cousins, I don't know, somebody loaned me this turd <laughs> Sears, 1962 Sears plywood oh junk guitar. And she's like, I know you. You're going to be interested in it for a week. Yeah. So here's this. If you get good, we'll see where it goes. So mm-hmm. I played that for over a year. And wow. then the next year on my... I guess it would have been my 15th birthday or maybe it was my 14th and the, I don't know. I lose my timeline. My oldest brother and my mom went halfers and got me a real guitar. Oh, that's, that's so cool that your brother was involved like that. Yeah. 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 And he's that's really 16 sweet. years older than me. Yeah. So at this time he was 30. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, they went halfers and got me a good guitar and then I just went from yeah. there. Okay, I have questions about that, but um, before we kind of like go from there, is there is there anything else that you think is significant in the development of your creativity, like before that point? Um, nothing that I would say rather than just I needed a way to stand out. I, I knew I wasn't a normal kid. I wasn't just the, you know, run of the mill, get good grades, go to church, blah, blah, blah kid. Yeah. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I yeah. I knew I was different. Yeah. Um, I was, I was maybe more obnoxious, maybe louder. I, I, I knew I thought different than my friends. Yeah. I really relate to that. But I didn't know that at the, maybe not at the time I kind of did, but I didn't know how to express it or what was the word a creative person wouldn't have entered my mind. Sure. No, I think I, I think I agree. I don't know when I was really little. I mean, I've talked, I talk about, I talk about it all the time. Um, so you may have like, Facebook shows me your posts, all of them. Like if I'm oh, just nice. scrolling through my feed, I see every, like Facebook is like, Emily, you probably want to read what guy posted today, <laughs> but I never know if it's like the other way too. So I don't know if you've seen like stuff that I'm posting, but, um, I think so. But I, but I talk, I've talked a fair amount like recently about my mom being a narcissist and my yeah. childhood being kind of shitty in that way. And, uh, yeah, I think for me as a little kid, I also just had a feeling like I'm just different. My brain is working in a different way. I think I maybe did feel artsy. Like, I think I felt a little magical, mm-hmm. you know, like I liked things more than right. other people sometimes. Like things, I felt sensitive, you know, but I also feel like, you know, thinking about this stuff in retrospect is totally different than like what it means to you as a kid. Mm-hmm. But I still like to ask, you know, adult artists to... Just like, I don't know, I think even just what we can remember as adults about what that felt like can be like some important clues about how we kind of like see ourselves and like identify. So I'm still curious about it, even though it's like, I don't know what I thought when I was right. eight. <laughs> you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, just one more question about like the pre-guitar time. Was there ever a time that you felt like serious about visual art that you were like, trying to really get better at it? No. Um, I think a lot of that came along. Cause like when I was in elementary school, the early part, I would draw cartoons. And then when I, we started getting into like fifth and sixth grade, kids who were like legit good kind of started pull ahead, pull ahead. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, That's, I can't do that. Yeah. I can draw cartoon dudes and you know, cats getting squished under tires. 
which I, I found a picture the other day of me. It's a it's a Jeep. I drew this when I was probably eight or ten. That's and so this cool weird guy drawing it. it running over cats. Yeah. And the weird thing is I'm the biggest animal lover in I the know, world you now. I love animals. But uh, who knows what that stuff means when you're a kid. I think it's like, just boys. Yeah. You're you just, know, just guts and just try and stuff. Yeah, I have a little niece who loves guts and gore. She <laughs> is she's so hilarious. She's like she's the tiniest she's like one of those children that you're like, how do you do you float like she's just tiny mm-hmm. and she's has the whitest blonde hair and like white eyebrows and she loves zombies she's like <laughs> six years old and she just she loves like blood yeah it's so funny um she's my favorite um okay great so during those like early teen years you didn't you didn't have like a thing no until the guitar um there was a skateboarding period but that's not really a creative anything I, I mean, and i think every kid goes through that like either yeah. bmx or skateboards or yeah. scooters or whatever yeah um, i mean cre- i'm totally for creativity being like whatever. finding a home in like whatever place but yeah um okay so uh you started playing guitar and then like did you feel serious about that quickly like how did you kind yeah. of and were, yeah. you, were, you, were you taking lessons in yes and no so when my mom got me that that when she borrowed that junk guitar of her friends he and one of his friends came over one a couple times and showed me like here's how you play louis louis here's how you play um la bomba they looking back were not great guitar players but they knew way more than i did gave you some tools yeah, yeah, they showed me, you know, kind of got me running. So like, oh, I can, I, I can play Louie Louie. I'm making music now yeah. rather than just going bonk, 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 bonk. Right. So I actually, now I'm like, oh, I can play songs. And then I started, um, this is good and bad. I started just, CDs had come along. So it was really easy to rewind. Yeah. So I would just listen, plunk yeah. it out. Nope, that's not right. Rewind it, play right. it again. Nope, rewind, play it again. And had to learn by ear. That's, I mean, that's great. Which Ooh. was a blessing. Yeah. But if I had been a more scholastic kid and was better absorbing information, I would have rather, I wish I would have gone the proper way yeah. and learned my theory, learned um, how to how to read. Yeah. I can't read a note of music. Yeah. So now, you know, people think it's impressive. Oh, you play by ear? Yeah, but yeah. that's kind of hinders me as well. Yeah. I mean, as a person who has a master's degree in jazz studies and knows like more theory than anybody should know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you're, I, I maybe, I obviously knowing theory is like useful and knowing how to read is useful, Mm -hmm. but like having that, having your ears, there's nothing makes up for it. Right. Paige Hamilton, he's a singer for, I think that's his name, singer for this band called Helmet. He's a musical genius. And he said, the best thing to do is learn your musical theory and then forget it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I talk about that with my, my peers, my like, uh, classmates, you Mm -hmm. know, all the time. Like, in fact, I was just saying to someone the other day, like we, we had to like relearn how to be artists after we finished school, you know, (laughs) because it's so technical. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, especially like if you want to be in the Philharmonic, then like, yeah, but if that's not your goal, then who cares? And that, and that never was. My mom <laughs> yeah. always used to say, you need to learn to read music. You need to learn to read music. And I was just like, ah, I just want to play, yeah. you know, Ozzy Osbourne songs. I don't need to. And if, if, as long as you know how to read tabs, which I'm sure you do, then yeah. like, you got it. That's all you need. Yeah. And I, I try not to. I actually try not to use tabs just yeah. because I think it. And I try not to use. This is kind of a lie. I try not to use YouTube on my personal things. But sometimes with what Marcus and I do, we need 
efficiency. So I was like, what's, what's the chords on this song? Get on YouTube. Okay. That's how you play it. But when I'm learning something like just recently, I was learning a, uh, a guitar solo from, uh, this old eighties band. And I was like, I want to learn this by ear just to keep my mind sharp. Yeah. And it struggled. There's a couple parts where I had to go look up what's he doing there, but but I try to keep it. Yeah. You know, I do the same thing. Like when, you know, for jazz musicians, um, like, there's this culture of like transcribing, like transcribing Charlie Parker solos or John mm-hmm. Coltrane solos. And that sounds miserable. Oh, I really like it. Um, but, but definitely some people find it to be miserable, Tedious. but I, I have a good, I have a good memorization brain. So mm-hmm. that stuff, but, but a lot of people will slow things down. Cause you know, it's tons of like 16th notes. People will slow it down. And oh, yeah, I feel jazz. like if I can't, if I can't perceive it in real time, I'm not really learning it. Right. And I would rather like, take a little bit more time and like really soak it in. So it's like in my, in my bones. I've been around amazing musicians for the last 30 years and I am still just baffled when I can see somebody put a sheet of music up and then just, I know it's crazy. And I'm like, how (laughs) we we did this show a few years ago where there was like a house band and it was a showcase thing. So different people were coming in and out. And 10 minutes before, somebody hands the horn section dudes their music. Yeah. And then they go out and they play the song they've never played before. And I'm like, uh, yeah. how? It's just like reading, reading words. words. Yeah. I mean, but, but it's just like that's a language you start learning when you're so little. And you most yeah. of the time when people are really, really good at reading music. Like, I take this for granted all the time when I'm trying to teach my students because I was in piano lessons from the time I was like seven. Mm-hmm. And when I look at, you know, a note on that one particular line, like it doesn't even take my, it's just like G, you right. know, like it's just, it doesn't even, it's nothing. Your, your brain has been trained to just digest that. Yeah. Yeah. As to where mine, you I like, don't, there's not, there's nothing. It's, it's like, I was, you know, sometimes I'll tell my students like, you know, when you know how to read English, you don't see like A and D, you just see and. and. Yeah. Right. You don't even, you don't have to see the parts mm-hmm. and, and, and for musicians, it can get like that. Like the better you are at reading, it's like you see the whole measure, you know, you see the right. whole line. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a step ahead of yourself. Yeah. And, and I mean, I get it. I get how they do it, but just the fact that somebody has taken the time and put yeah. the work in to do that is just like, wow. It's crazy. But I love what you said just now. Cause it's such a, you know, like, I think there are plenty of people who feel that way about like ear training too. It's so easy to like, forget the stuff that we have like absorbed yeah you know and it's really it's it's i don't know I yeah if you go to like a concert it. if you go to if you go to an orchestra and you pull the sheet away from a person they're probably gonna like, be lost have no idea yeah totally so my podcast is called artifice because th- this is the kind of stuff i'm interested in like you know when we think about artists like our, our careers are super misunderstood and you know art whatever you creative right it, i don't it doesn't matter what we call it words are words but uh but I think, you know, our careers are really misunderstood and what we, our skills are misunderstood and people think it's one thing and it's often something else. And even, you know, as we are considering our own skills, I think sometimes we really forget like, oh, I'm actually like so good at this thing, but it's so incidental to me mm-hmm. that I just like, I wouldn't even think to include it as like, oh, this is a huge part of like why I'm good at this. Right. So it's, it's another reason why I love artists to talk about what it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Cause I think people, you know, would listen and be like, Oh, like I didn't think that like that thing that I'm good at could be a skill or right. that there's like, you know, anyway, just, I, like ne- I never in years thought I would make a living playing guitar. Well, it's awesome that you do. <laughs> good for you. Um, 
So, okay. So you're playing guitar, you're getting more serious about it. You're like self-taught. Um, was there ever a time that you thought like I'll major in music or like pursue music? Um, no. Okay. When I was 15, I'd only been playing guitar a year, maybe a little more. One of my friends in junior high played drums. Okay. Um, and then my, my buddy that lived up the street liked music, but he didn't play anything. So I was like, buy a bass. Yeah. So he got a bass for his birthday or Christmas or something. And I kind of showed him how to play it because I, you kinda, playing a guitar, yeah. you can kind of work your way around a bass. So I got him rolling on that. And then he took off and became a way better bass player than I'll ever be. <laughs> but we started a band when we were 15 and cool. we were playing in bars when I was 17. Wow. Those two were 16. I was 17. What did, what was that like for you? Like, how, did, did you feel like you arrived at something? Yeah. Cool. Because like in, in high school, I grew up in, in a small town, grew up in Helper, Utah, went to high school in Price, Utah. And the bar we used to play at was called Teddy's and they had this side door and on the side of that door was just a big empty parking lot. So our friends would come hang out in the parking lot on the side and we would open that door and they could see us yeah. playing. And I felt... Because I wasn't the Letterman's Jacket jock. I wasn't the, the Sterling Scholar. Yeah. But I had a band. So cool. And yeah. my friends would come watch me. We were playing in bars. So yeah. I thought, I thought I have something here. I mean, you did, right? I mean, that's huge. Like that's, you know, especially for a teenage mind. Yeah. That is like. Oh, I've made it. Extremely significant. Yeah. Um, I had another question about it. Oh, did you feel like, did you ever have to kind of battle with like, nobody's giving me permission to do this? Or like, did it feel like gutsy to you or? To, to play in bars or to play guitar? Either. To form a band? Like, did you feel like anyone was going to be like, who do you think you are? No. Because um, I I didn't really expect it to do anything. I'd, I'd grown up around it. It was my, just like fun. You my just dad had a fun. band. Um, and then when oh, me and my, we, me and my buddy that. started doing it, it was just for fun. And one night, our uh, a buddy who owned the bar at the time, he was pretty young himself. He was 22 or 3. Um, I think his dad maybe on the bar and he was managing it. I can't cool. remember, but he booked us. He saw us playing at my drummer's house for like just a house yeah. party. And we yeah. knew, we knew five or six songs. Wow. And he's like, wow, you guys are actually he pretty good. You. Play at my bar. And yeah. we, and we probably shouldn't have. Yeah. We were, we weren't, we weren't that good. But we got there. That's awesome, though. I mean, I love to encourage my teenage students to like do stuff that no one's giving them permission to do. Right. Because there's no better time to like suck at something. Yeah. You know, there's there's no better time yeah. to like cut your teeth. And those same four dudes that were in that band, we've we still talk and we played a gig as recently as 2018. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. So, um, when did you start? getting into comedy and if it's later then let's talk about it later it's but way later way later okay yeah. so at the time that you finished high school or like we're about that age right um i don't want to make any assumptions about <laughs> whether you finished high school everyone no, i did not people will be, okay cool i'm proud of it yeah cool. it's so weird i never graduated I'm, high school i'm totally supportive of it and um, it's I, I wouldn't encourage anybody listening to drop out but i was just never a good student I went, I didn't drop out. I went all the way to the end and I was like, you know what? I'll just make up these credits in the summer. And I just never have. And it's hasn't stopped anything. I like really deeply admire people who have stories of having so much like self-awareness at a young age. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to go to college. Yeah. So okay. I was like, maybe I'll go get my GED someday. I thought yeah. I never did, but I knew I wasn't going to go to college. Yeah. So it's like, why, 
what's, you know, I knew I was going to work. Yeah. I, I did not have anywhere near that kind of like bravery or like just. Mine wasn't bravery. I was stupid. I mean, it's aware. It's got some awareness to know, like, this the, just I, isn't I wish be I would have finished high school, but it hasn't, it hasn't stopped me. But I always knew, you know what? If I go to college and I don't have to go, if I wake up and no one's sure, making me go, I'm not going to go. Gonna and fit. I had free college on my old man's GI bill. Like it was paid for. And I just like, you know what? I'm just going to waste money. Yeah. So yeah, let's not, yeah. I'll just go to work. And I did. So what did you, at that time when you're kind of, so I should say like when you're in the time in your life where you're kind of transitioning from being a kid to being a grown up, mm-hmm. um, what, what role was any sort of creativity playing in your life Everything. at that time? Cool. That was when I was in the band. Tell me all about um, it. I was, I was kind of getting an identity because in school I was never, you know, girls are important to young teenage boys and adolescent. And I was never like the cool, I, I was cool kid in that I hung out with the cool crowd and I was funny. So I had friends I was never picked on. I was never yeah. like a nerd, but I wasn't the one girls were like, ah, yeah. so I needed an edge. And that was always being funny and playing music. So after high school, that's when I started getting serious with my band. I thought we, I legit thought we had a chance at making it. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, ha, yeah. no. It's no, that didn't. like teenage, like but yeah, hubris. But we were the, it yeah. was a small town and we were just, we won the battle of the bands. We used to play the bar almost every weekend. People knew who we were. We had t-shirts. So big fish, little pond syndrome. Sure. So that was my focus. And this was in the late nineties, early two thousands when, um, I don't know if you remember the new metal phase with, I don't spiky hair was, and, and eyeliner. And I was in like a intensely Mormon suburb. Yeah. Being, you know, 11 years old. Well, so. just think of like <laughs> corn fans with, you know, cool. Ple- I never went as far as like pleather pants and, and but all that, that stuff. The, but that was the like era, aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of what we did. Drop D on our guitars and just tonk, tonk, tonk. Did you say you said you were funny though back then? Like that was part of your identity then? I was, yeah. I was always so the what, funny friend. So you were friend. like into comedy, but like that was definitely part of your for sure. Your vibe. I never, as a, even as a young kid, if we go back, I didn't watch He Man or GI Joe. I watched Garfield. Yeah. I was I was always more into the humorous light stuff. Okay. Than, cool. Than so when you so when you're like what you're like seventeen eighteen at this time, mm-hmm. um, you, you were you making mo- money doing music mostly. Yeah. I I mean I had a job. You had like I had I had my you know just your teenage. But it was like in your mind that like music was gonna be like the thing at least for a little while there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then yeah, what happened? Like maybe just kind of story tell me through like what was going on in your life in terms of like the the role of creativity or art like up until kind of maybe when you started working with Marcus. So so the band I was in we were a cover band. And then we started writing originals okay. and recorded a CD. And that was kind of where I started being creative. We'd get together and okay. write songs. Looking back, I'm like, we weren't writing songs. I was just cranking out riffs and my buddy was playing drums behind him. We weren't songwriters. Composing, yeah. No, we and were how, just chung, chung, chung. How old were you like when you when you kind of made that shift with the band? 20, 21. Okay. okay. Um, so we did that. And then that that band, we we played for... Let's see, we started in 95. We played for 10 years straight. Cool. And then That's in awesome. 2006, the guys in the band had kids. Mm-hmm. The guys, they were getting married. 
I can't make practice because of the wife. I got the kid, the babysitter, blah, blah. And I was kind of I was kind of like, okay, the wheels are falling off here. Yeah. Not in any way that we nobody was mad at each other, but yeah. we were growing up. Yeah. Or at least they were. Yeah. So in 2006, I needed a change. And a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, they're hiring warm bodies out in Vertolf in the, in the oil rigs. Okay. I can get you a job as a truck driver out here. So I went and got my CDL and drove truck in Vernal for about two weeks. Okay. And I was like, nope. Yeah. This, this is isn't not for thing. me. Yeah. So I moved to Salt Lake and just, I got a job with a heating and air company. And about a year after I moved up here, I went to a comedy show. I met a girl on MySpace, um, who, Mandy, who's still a really good friend of mine. Um, but I asked her out on a date, and she lived in Ogden. So I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do in Ogden. I've never yeah. I don't think I'd ever even been to Ogden. Yeah. So um, I took her to Wise Guys. Yeah. And, and for I went, the listener, it's a comedy club. It's a, yeah, it's a comedy club, and, and there's there's three of them in Utah. One of them is in Ogden. So we go up to Ogden, and the whole time I'm looking back, I was kind of being cocky. I was like, these these openers aren't that funny. If these guys can get time opening, yeah. I probably could too. And, and sorry, I, how old were you? Twenty nine. Okay. Um. So she's like, "You should do it." I was like, "I'm going to." So I I went home, and I I I had a friend who was kind of in the comedy world, Melissa. Um, and she said, "Yeah, Wise Guys has an open mic every Wednesday. Just write three minutes and sign up." So yeah. I did. Yeah. And my first set I ever did, I did really well. Yeah. So I got well, the bug. I heard Marcus tell the story about it. Oh, really? Right? I mean, yeah. yeah. He, he was hosting the open mic yeah. the very first time I did yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, because I came and saw you guys, um, I mean, gosh, it had to have been like a year and a half ago. You had a I show in that. Ogden. Yeah. I came up there and I think I think Marcus told that story. Mm-hmm. It, maybe he told it in the podcast, but no, I think he told it. Sometimes he'll tell it on stage because yeah. we we set up what yeah. we are. I think I think he did. I think yeah. he told, talked about it. Um. Man, what was it like to like write minutes? Like, I mean, that it's that doesn't seem like a given. Like that, like, how did you do that? You know what's funny is I had this three minute bit written about the band ABBA. You already had it written? Well, no. When I decided I was okay. gonna do comedy, I just went and started writing down ideas. Yeah. And I had verbatim this yeah. bit about ABBA and how the BBC offered them a billion dollars and they turned it down. Yeah. And I just went on the, the joke. The Basically, the joke was me naming all the things I would do for a billion dollars. Yeah. About three hours before open mic, I was like, this bit is trash. And I went home to, to the apartment I was living, living in and I just wrote a new three minutes in probably yeah. an hour. How did, like, I don't know how to ask this question, but like, how did you think about it? Like, with, without having had any training or like anybody being like here's how you do it like how did you like apply your brain to that um i don't remember really maybe uh, from watching stand up i don't re- i don't remember consciously thinking this is the approach i'm going to take yeah i just think i just remember thinking i have some funny ideas i'm going to write out two and a half minutes worth and and for a, you know that that first bit before I scrapped it, I was practicing in the mirror with a hairbrush, timing yeah. it, yeah, stopwatch, yeah. everything. Man. And then I scrapped it, and I didn't tell anybody I was going to do open mic, and then I chickened out, and I called everybody I knew about two hours before, and people showed up. Yeah. I probably got 15, 20 people to that open mic. Oh, my gosh. 
Wow. Yeah. And, and and how were they? Were your friends? So I have the same question: as starting a band, were your friends like comedy, or were they like, well, of course, this is what you're doing? My friends were like, of course, this is what he's doing. My yeah. mom was like, you're not funny, <laughs> because and not in a discouraging yeah. way. Just she, it's but just I don't that. act around my mom the way I act around my friends. So right. my friends were like, yeah, he's funny. He's always quick with the joke. My mom was just kind of like, he's not, he's not funny. What, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, but your friends were just like, they were like totally rooting for you. Yeah. Was it something that you like had talked about or was it like out of nowhere, but then they were like, this makes perfect sense? In, I, no, I hadn't talked about it, but if we rewind to 2006, I used to work at this factory down in Wellington, Utah, where they made mining equipment. And my job was working in the tool crib, which is just basically a little, a little well, a big closet with tools in it. And when somebody would need something, they'd come to me and I would put it on their account and do the, you know. So a lot of my day was just sitting, waiting for people to break something. Yeah. And we had notebooks. And I remember writing down some jokes because this is around the time YouTube hit. Okay. So I remember I watched a lot of Mitch Hedberg. I watched a lot of Jim Norton, some of these comedians I liked. So I would write down ideas, but I didn't have any kind of way to ever do it because there's no comedy clubs where I'm from. Yeah. And I hadn't planned on moving to Salt Lake at that time. So I was just writing down funny okay. ideas but in case. But this idea was in your head like, maybe yeah, this is a thing I could yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And okay. And maybe you kind of mentioned it like casually. It wasn't, okay. And then. So your friends weren't like, what? But they were kind of like, oh. I didn't really tell any friends that I had been writing anything down. Okay. I just was doing it and thinking maybe someday I'm going to go to Salt Lake and, and do an open we'll mic. try it. And then two years later, it actually happened. Okay. Okay. Um, but it wasn't like a planned thing. It was just one of those like, you know, everybody has the pipe dream. One of these days, I'm going to finish that bathroom. or the, yeah, And yeah, then yeah. it just never happens. Yeah. That was my stand-up. I was like, one day I'm going to try it. Okay. I see. Okay, cool. Um, I, I'm trying to think of like, I, I'm curious. I'm curious about like, I'm curious about whether you felt like worried about stuff, like whether you whether you there were times either in music or, you know, at the beginning of kind of doing your first couple of open mics, if you felt like doubt. Absolutely. That was like a thing. Absolutely. Do you want to say anything about like how you deal with that or dealt with that? Um, I don't remember how I dealt with it. All, one thing I wish I would have done different, but maybe not, maybe it wouldn't have worked out, is I wish I would have went and watched an open mic before I did one. Yeah. Um, that way I could have been like, okay, don't do that. Don't yeah. be that guy. Um, yeah. Don't blah, 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 blah. But maybe if I had done that, I might, I might have done something different and it wouldn't have worked. Right. So it's kind of hard to say, but I remember watching the first open mic I did. I can't remember what order it was, but I was on somewhere in the middle and I remember watching three or four dudes just eat it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be rough. Yeah. And oh, I and crazy. I did well. Yeah. I did well my first two open mics. So that gave cool. me the bug to keep going back. If I would have yeah. if I would have bombed that first night, I would have never went back. Isn't it insane how like fragile it is? I like I yeah. feel I feel like burdened by the idea of like someone who has a lot of creative potential, like not having that first thing go right. It makes me sick. Marcus and I talked about this all the time that day. It was March 19th, I think 2008, somewhere, somewhere in the, that area. I know it was 2008. If I would have waited one more week, my life would be, 
completely different it's than what it is today. Because even even for Marcus, because what we do, but I also introduced him to his wife. Cool. So like, if I would have waited, went one week earlier or one week later, both of our lives would be completely different. If I would have done that stupid ABBA bit that I had written out and decided not to scrap it, my life would be completely different than what it is now. Yeah. So it's such a weird thing. Like, uh, what if I would have zagged when I zigged? Yeah. Everything would be different. Crazy. Do you have like, do you like have thoughts about that in terms of like how you talk to other people who are creative or like how you encourage other people? Um, I don't know if I would call myself an encourager. Um, I, I mean, I'm all about do what you want, but I also have a, a, a foot in reality. Yeah. I see so many comedians come along and they're so gung ho and they're so, here's my website, here's my podcast, here's my t-shirts, here's my merch shop, here's my Patreon. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, you have 10 minutes of meh material. Yeah. Um, but when I see a good comic, I'm like, dude, Work, you, yeah. you got this, you, yeah. you keep going. But yeah. the, the comedians I've learned are either one of two people. They are either hyper aware which is how I like to see myself. You know, you're, you're self-aware that didn't work, this didn't work, I'm this, this is the level I'm at, I need to work to get to that level. And then the other part is these delusional comedians. Yeah, it's the same with music. Right, yeah. who have three minutes of material that's okay at best, yeah. but they got the website, the the store, the yeah. blah, 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 and, and they so won't shut crazy. up about being a comedian. Yeah, no, I get, I get like really frustrated about this as well mm-hmm. um and it's and the, the main thing that frustrates me about it is sometimes when you have that person who's all ego and no nothing backing it other people buy it you know like there's this hype around it it drives it's me so frustrating crazy. and then this hyper aware thing uh, you know that can also make you kind of underplay yourself right um and then people are like well he doesn't talk about himself like he's hot shit so he's probably not right it's the worst, most frustrating I get, I thing. I get in my own way a ton. Like, yeah. I know I was good at stand-up um, and not delusional. I've I've won competitions. I've opened for the biggest comedians in the world. And I'm not trying to brag, but I also... It just means something. I will watch Bill Burr or one of my favorite comedians. And I'm like, I will never get to that level. I will never be that. Yeah. So Okay, I see what you're saying. So I, yeah. I'm aware in the fact that I know I'm good. Yeah. But I'm never going to be Tom Segura. Yeah, because I don't have. I love Tom Segura. Oh, he's he's a beast. But um, I don't have one. The drive. I'm very like like I've said a hundred times. ADD. Yeah. I'll be full steam ahead, and then eh, what's that? Yeah, and go mm-hmm. go off track. So yeah. w- as far as stand up goes, I never wanted it bad enough to do what it takes to get yeah. to that level. Well, that's also like I mean, some of that stuff like you know never wanted it bad enough. Like sure. But also, like, sometimes you just don't have, you're not suited for that kind of life. I That's feel like the biggest thing. I'm like that, too. Like, I got a master's degree in jazz studies. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at what I do. But, like, when I think about touring, I feel like I would rather it's, do most other things. I would rather. I know so many comedians who do. We call them road dogs. And God bless them because they'll do $200 gig get in their beater car, drive to South Dakota to do the next $200 gig, get in their car the next night, drive to Wyoming. And I'm like, I would rather work a nine to five. 
totally. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. And, and yeah, just like, I know it would send me to an early grave if I tried that. Yeah. Like it's a miserable lifestyle. I, I know that moving to New York would kill me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm same just, reason. I'm I, not cut out for it. In 2015, I said, I'm either going to buy a house or I'm going to move to LA and, and make a go at this. And then yeah. I thought, you know what? In 2015, I was like, I'm 37. I'm not going to go sleep on couches yeah, it's just and not bad what, groceries. It's not what you like ultimately want. No. Yeah. But I also feel like applying a creative lens to that kind of stuff is important too. Like, okay, well, what do I want? Like I want a house and I want like some stability, but like I want to be creative and I want that to be mm-hmm. like how I spend a lot of my time. Right. And there's, I, I, maybe I'm just an optimist, but I tend to think there's a solution. Like I tend to think there's usually something. Luckily I stuck out and I, my situation worked out perfectly. Yeah. With what Marcus and I do. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, it seems like, like I said, when you came in, it seems like you're killing it. Um, we were. Yeah, before coronavirus yep. destroyed all of our jobs. Yeah. I know it's such like a laughing, crying kind of things. Like I feel, I, yeah. It's, 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 you want to cry because you lost it, but you have to laugh because so did everybody else. Yeah. It's like yeah. it wasn't anything personal. Yeah. It's just, we all. Uh, I feel a little personal about it sometimes. Like, I know, I, I know it's not, but right. yeah, sometimes I'd wake up and I'm like, I have no purpose. Yeah. Uh, what is the point of me? Yep. Totally. <laughs> I mean, and I kind of felt like that a little bit before. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, it's, it's been a blessing in that I never got rid of a day job. Yeah. I own my own business. I have for several years. Yeah. And my partner, Marcus, he has some side hustle, but I see so many comedians that were just, flipped on their head yeah. and part of it bugs me too because some of them are just like I need unemployment I need to go fund me buy my CDs buy my merch blah blah which is fine but also you might have to go drive Lyft dude yeah you might have to go back you gotta, like, gotta get creative about that too right yeah. you can't you you can't starve just because there's nobody to listen to your jokes now totally, totally. I get that it sucks yeah but I'm yeah. I'm an old blue collar raised dude, so it's like whatever it takes. If I have to yeah. go scrub toilets, I will. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, I haven't. My day job does very well, but well, I, it, it's clear that you're creative with that too. Well, I want to talk about that a little bit. So, okay, so you did you did these first two sets. Marcus was there. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah. He did. He he came up and talked to you right away, right? Well, at that time, he was on Last Comic Standing, right? And it was between filming. He'd come home as the show was airing and hosted a couple open open mics before he went back to tape more. So he was the shit. Yeah. Like everybody was talking about Marcus. Oh, he's on last comic standing, blah, blah, blah. but I didn't watch the show. So I was like, Ooh. yeah. And then I met him and, and I, he hosted the first open mic and I did really well the first one. And he talked and he's like, what's your, you know, and we just really kind of like hit it just off because we're friends. Kind of the same dude, but kind of but kind of opposites as well. We're both super into music. We both have tattoos. We were both um, children of the 80s who watched a lot of TV and yeah. listened to a lot of music. You've so got we those just, same references, like you said. Yeah, we clicked. And he was successful already. So he started taking me on the road opening for him. Okay. And kind of showing me, you know, there, there were times where it would be like, um, that joke you told, it's, it's kind of hack. I've seen... 10 other guys do that. Um, don't wear a hat on stage. He kind of showed me yeah. kind of the etiquette and kind of this and that. And then I kind of developed into my own comic and we became equals. Yeah. Cool. And then after that kind of, after we became kind of equals, that's when we were like, cause he's an amazing singer. Yeah. 
he's singing in a band for years and he's an impressionist. So yeah. we just kind of started dinking around with this idea of singing impressions and guitar yeah. and blah, blah. So we would do it at the end of his headlining shows because he would headline a weekend and, and draw a crowd because he was, he was still doing pretty right. hot from last comic. Yeah. And for 15 minutes after, at the end of the show, we would do two, three bits and people started loving it. Yeah. And then pretty soon that 15 minutes turned into 20 and then it turned into half the show. Now it's our show. Yeah. And f- for the listener, it's a music comedy show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I play guitar. He sings and does impressions. Um, but that's not all it is. We'll do like mashups. We're like, hey, look how many songs we can squeeze out of these three chords. Yeah. And we'll make them funny. And we're both kind of, sounds braggy, but we're both kind of quick-witted and we can play off each other. Yeah. So we'll do that in between songs. It's not braggy. It's your, it's your job. It's what, it, it's what we yeah. do. And we, you know, this just last weekend we did Wise Guys Ogden again, the place where I got my start. Yeah. And, um, or where I decided I wanted to start. And the funnest thing, we would find somebody in the audience and we would spend 20 minutes like hammering them. Yeah. But in a, in a good yeah. way, it's, we weren't, you know, not being mean. Yeah. And whoever we picked on, you know, we, we make sure that they're on board yeah. and the crowd loves it. I love that. And we do corporate events. Most of what we do is corporate events. So same thing, you know, the CEO's front row and we'll just hammer them. Yeah. I'm sure that they love that. And they love it. The employees love it. Um, Every Christmas companies hire us just to do their raffle because they'll raffle off items and the guy will come up to get it and we'll just just beat them up. Um, Do you feel like, like cultivating that kind of like improv part of your brain? Like, do you have thoughts about that? Or is That's it kind of my favorite to thing you. to do. Yeah. My favorite is, and it does, it's risky because it doesn't always work. Yeah. You know, crowd work, even when I was doing stand up, my favorite thing to do was just drop my material and start talking to people. Yeah. It can go bad, yeah. but when it goes good, it's great. I feel like jazz is really similar in that way because it's an improvised music and you but can there's have, rules. right. You can have these, um, you can have these like totally magical moments and then like, never like it never happens that way again right. and sometimes it's like that was a disaster <laughs> yeah but it's it's the best and the worst yep um but that's cool that that's like something that um d- did you feel like that was that's just natural kind of natural for you yeah cool I've, i was always i call i call them ball busters i was always a ball buster me and my friends it was, quick it was never any of the friend groups i've ever had it was never like hey man how you doing are things all right yeah it was always looks like stupid nice shirt where'd you get that right yeah you know that's hot just dog like on a stick vibe. idiot yeah <laughs> and that's just how all of my friends and sure. i have always been and 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 marcus was the same way so we just that's our relationship do you want to say anything about the craft of like writing a show like writing your bits. You know what? When we were when I was doing stand up, it was a lot easier and a lot harder in certain ways because I had to come up with original thoughts, observations that I had, and stretch them this way and pull them this way and make them funny and exaggerate this and tone back that and don't mention this and yeah, um, to make a funny story. With what Marcus and I do, we take songs that already exist. Yeah, and we're like, this is why it's funny compared to this song because not a, not every not everything we do is is an impression some like i said some will be mashups We're like hey yeah. did you ever notice that that um uh the king of wishful thinking that song from the 80s sounds almost like fraggle rock yeah you never notice that but let's show let us show you how yeah and we will yeah so that's how and sometimes when we get together we're actually getting together later today to to work on some new stuff sometimes we'll sit there with my guitar and just go through itunes and youtube and nothing happens yeah 
Um, and then the next time, nothing. And then next yeah. time, nothing. And then sometimes we will just like stumble on two chords yeah. that like we just got 20 more minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm like, it's like that for me with songwriting too. Like sometimes I'll just, I'll sit at my piano and just like, there is just, it is just nothing. Songwriting to me is the most impressive form of art ever. Thanks. Because yeah. I cannot write a song. I, I'll tell you, I could teach you to do it. I have like a whole curriculum that I swear to God it works like on everybody. Oh, I'm sure. Not that, not that you need to, but, I, uh, but I'm sure you could. I can play. I'm a competent guitar player. Yeah. Can't write. I'm working. Lyrics. Even worse. Yeah. I, I, and, and it's simply not because just when I was, when I was forming my, my, myself as a musician, I was more interested in how to play this Aussie sure. song than why, why did that guitarist play it like this? Totally. I never well, got into writing. And I think it's probably also just like kind of, we've been saying you follow the stuff that you're the most interested in. Like, right. and that's just, that's just how it is. Right. It's and not a matter of like, I can't, it's more, it's just like, it's not. I was into heavy metal music, yeah. which if you're playing it, it's super complex music, but it's not per se songwriting. Yeah, it's like orchestration. If I would have grown up listening to Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan, I probably would have been like, that's great right. writing. Yeah. Cause, and that's where I'm at now. I'll, I'll Sometimes I'll sit in bed and listen to Joni Mitchell for two hours. Joni being Mitchell, like, what a muse. How does she do it? Yeah, I was listening the other day to her song, I Don't Know Where I Stand, and just going like, how did you... How? How did you write this? It's right. like she simultaneously has, the most simple and the most complex thing. She has the best grasp of the English English language because it's easy to write. I love you. You love me. I miss you. Please don't leave me. Right. She writes things. I don't. So most of the time, I don't know what the hell she's talking about, but I know she means it. And you kind of get the feeling. Right. It's like it's translating in emotion. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, she's so good. She's and she's, she's great, freaky good. Great guitarist. Great piano player. Yeah. She's just. And Amazing. such a unique voice, like that floaty thing. It's crazy. Yeah, back in the day when she, in the seventies when she would get all high. Yeah, and if you notice on her, on her later albums, like like Indigo, um, uh, she sings lower because yeah. she's now she's in her sixties. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to keep it's hard to keep those vocal muscles healthy. Um, you know what? Anytime a, sing, a singer gets old and people are like, "Oh, they can't sing anymore," I'm like, "Of course." Yeah. My, Michael same, Jordan like, can't dunk anymore. I was just gonna say the same thing. Like, what? Of athletes, also, you're you're old. Your yep. body is just yeah. Yeah. Celine Dion, though, she can still sing. She's my absolute favorite. Yeah. I know you love her. Yeah, she's the best. You know, what? I saw her <laughs> twice in a week last year. I was at her very very last Vegas residency, oh residency show, and she was so good that I'm like, was there a tape? Yeah, there wasn't a tape. I'm sure of it. Me, she's me too. Just, she's just because she's just she would sing like good. in between songs and stuff. But yeah. I'm like, she is so dead on. But yeah. but then I think, well, she does this four times a week for the last sixteen yeah. years. Well, and I've read about Celine Dion that she is like meticulous with her health, yeah, and like her vocal rest, mm -hmm. and she like treats her like her body with like extreme care. You have to when your voice is yeah. an instrument, as you know, you're a singer. Yeah. I'm not a singer by any stretch, but I've been around en enough of them to know that you it's not like my guitar playing. If I'm sick, I can still play guitar. Yeah, if you're yeah. sick, you can't sing. And I've that happened with Marcus and I. We did a showcase in Arizona a couple years ago, his voice went out. Yeah, it's horrifying. And yeah, we I, had to I, fake it. I've had to do a couple of gigs with bronchitis, and it's every time it happens, it's happened to me like three times maybe because I get. I have a little bit of asthma, so I'll get like a, 
if I get a cold, mm-hmm. like it will just stay in my lungs for a long time, which makes me worried about coronavirus. But uh, but anyway, um, and I you know I'm doing like a four hour wedding gig with bronchitis and just thinking like I'm not gonna make it through this. But right. you find a way, yeah. as you know, and you I, do it. I'm not a singer, but I do do backups with with the show marks, and I do, and I and I've I know the problems singers experience. Yeah, we did a show at the top of Snowbird. Oh last my gosh, February. that venue is killer. At, at the top, yeah. Top. No, I've You've been up there. I, I did a wedding up there, and I, I almost I like blacked out a couple times. Yeah, I'm yeah. up there singing, and I'm like, Ugh. yeah, it's yeah. The I elevations, like, like I'm looking over at the horn players, like, are you guys okay? Yeah, there's just no <laughs> oxygen, so I'm just trying to sing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's eleven thousand feet. Yeah. yeah, that that venue is like, it is a killer. Yeah, yeah. I was singing um, Taylor Swift's song "Shake It Off." Yeah. That's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Shake it off up there, and there's nowhere to breathe. And like, ah, ah, yeah. shake. and I was like, I started like blacking out. I was like, yeah. I need, we got to take a break. You get lightheaded. <laughs> I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> yep. Um, a lot, a lot of like uh, rock singers and metal singers. I've seen a couple of them that have to bail halfway through the show in Salt, in Lake, Salt Lake because of the elevation. Well, you know, I had on my podcast the woman who teaches sing voice lessons to like Justin Timberlake and a bunch of other oh, nice. celebrities, and she wants to build like a a tour, a touring boot camp here, and like prep people for their tours here. Yeah, if you can sing here, you can sing anywhere. That's kind of I think it's a great idea. I think yeah. she's going to do it, and it's going to be it's going to be awesome. So, how long have you been Marcus and Guy? Officially, probably four or five years. Okay, cool. We started the we started it in 2012, and for for about three years, it was just like I said at the end of shows, and then in 2015 16, I remember us making a conscious decision: is like this, we need to follow this rather than stand up because this because neither one of us are clean stand ups. Um, we're not filthy, but we can't do corporate events. Yeah, and if you want money corporate yeah, events that's where you do it so the music we're like we can do this g-rated disney clean yeah. if we need to yeah and it's still funny so we kind of started following that and started doing christmas parties and every year we'd get more christmas parties and then hey we're doing our company's annual blah 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 in june and then by 2019 that was all we did okay cool and how long have you had your business um four years okay so like a Kind of about the same time. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to tell the listeners about like how you kind of, like I was saying before, have like sort of creatively crafted like the balance in your life? I've, it, it, part of it was on accident because I don't do well being idle. Yeah. I know so many comedians who that's all they do. And I'm like, what do you do all day? Yeah. I know you're not writing jokes for eight hours. I know. What do you do? Yeah. And I couldn't do it. So I never got rid of my day job. I worked for a heating and air company for years. And then um, in 2016, I took a department from an HVAC company in, in where I used to work at, indoor air purification, duct cleaning, um, high-end purification systems, high-end filtration systems. And I was like, I make enough money doing Marcus and Guy. I don't need this job. But what would I do all day? So I'm just going to start my own business Cool. doing what I was already doing. Yeah. So I did. And my employer, once I quit, they were like, we're just going to shut down this department and send all our work to you. Awesome. That's ideal. It was That's perfect. awesome. It was yeah. absolutely perfect. And my business right out of the gate, yeah, I haven't had really a wall. Cool. That's awesome. Um, so 
so yeah, that was that was that kept me afloat. You know, spring of this year when yeah. Corona hit and oh all the gosh. gigs died. Yeah, luckily I already had that and had Good the money in the bank ready. and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I just ha- I have to be working. Yeah, all the time. I'm like that too. I I I need to stay busy or I will get depressed. Yeah, like, yeah. Even like a Sunday for me, if I don't have anything to do on Sunday by like six o'clock, I'm like, what's yeah. the purpose in life? I get like that too, and I'm I my husband teases me because like the way that I'll hack, I'll hack myself into relaxation is like, I'll give myself a binge assignment. You know, I'll be mm-hmm. like, my task today is like, watch two seasons of this thing. Right. It's like the only way I can convince yeah. myself to like chill. I'm, if not, I like I'm not a give, great TV watcher either. Yeah. I, I watch I can do that. Sometimes on a Sunday, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to do this and, and I'll lay in bed and I'll watch a documentary. Then I'll watch another one. Then I'll watch, you know, an episode of family guy or whatever. And then by three o'clock, I'm like, you were worthless. Get yeah, up. I feel like that if it's not a whole show. Like if it's a whole season, then it feels like it feels like I'm reading a book. Like it feels right. productive. Mm-hmm. I'm like absorbing this like great storytelling. But yeah, if I'm just like watching this, that, like scattered things, mm-hmm. I will feel like a total loser. Yeah. Um, within a couple of hours. I shut down my business in April when Corona was like really kinda when I when I say it was, it was actually better then than it I is know. now. It's but it's that was scary, like when the panic was setting in. Yeah. So I shut down my business for a month, and man, I was going nuts. Yeah, I've been just giving myself like tons of projects. Like I'm like Andrew, what are we doing in the backyard? Like what are we building? I planned <laughs> that, but then you know, I I don't know if anybody else is like this. You'll get in a, in, a, in just a routine of being lazy. Yeah. And I just had a hard time motivating myself to do anything. Well, depression is a thing, you know, like maybe it was yeah. depression. Maybe it was, but I would just like, yeah, I could go start building that fence, but also yeah. letter Kenny's on. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. okay. You like, I don't, I don't know you really, obviously we're just meeting today, but we you, met before though in passing. Met, yeah. We met really quick at your show Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you are a person who like thinks a lot about a lot of things. I try. Is that true? Um, and I, 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 I'm wondering if you just have, you know, it's kind of open-ended, but if you just have thoughts about like why creativity, like do you have thoughts about creativity and like why it matters in our society or art or any, what do you Absolutely. like, what do you want a soapbox about here? I saw, I saw a, a tweet or a meme or something one day. And it said, if you don't think artists um, are is a legit is a legit field to go into, don't watch any movies, don't listen to the radio, don't um, yeah, don't hire graphic designers for your business, don't, and you'll quickly realize how important artists don't are. Don't buy clothes. Don't buy clothes. <laughs> yeah. You know, just wear a potato sack, and you'll quickly realize how important creative people are. Yeah, and that kind of stuck with me. I mean, I know the world would continue if. Stand-up comedy went away, but yeah. it would be, it would be lame. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who said it one time, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but it says it was something along the lines of the world would function, society would function in a world with what without art, but why would you want to? Yeah. I was just talking about this with Andrew last week because I was feeling bummed out last week. I was feeling that purposelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, it comes in waves. Like most of the time in coronavirus, I've been like 
I've been pretty productive. I've been like pretty creative writing a lot. Um, but like, yeah, there'll be like a slump, you know, maybe yeah. every two weeks I'll have a couple of days that I'm just like, uh, what is the point of me? Like I said before, and I was talking to Andrew, you know, I totally agree with you. Like I, and I, and I feel, I, I tell, I'm saying it to other people all the time. Like art is really important. Creativity is so important. Um, and like, you know, art, by itself is so important. Um, yeah. I think like we said before, we can take creativity out of art. Um, I mean, you, creativity exists where art isn't, mm-hmm. you know, but like art by itself, so important. Um, but I sometimes have an issue feeling like I deserve to be part of that. Do you ever get any of that? Like I, I have, I carry a ton of guilt because I'm not a trained musician. There's way better guitarists out there than me. There's way smarter musicians. There's people who have worked way harder. People have gone to Juilliard who are working at Guitar Center. And here's me who dinked around in his bedroom long enough to get good. And now I make a living playing guitar. It feels like guilt to you. Guilt. Does it feel like anything else? Like, I feel like to me, it doesn't quite feel like guilt. It's more just like, it's more like a deserving kind of a thing. Like, like, yeah, I don't deserve to to be a successful musician and successful is is relative uh, or subjective. I'm not John Bon Jovi living in a mansion, but I pay my bills playing a guitar. Meanwhile, there's way better musicians who have worked harder than me who don't get to do that. It's like a little bit of like that imposter syndrome thing. Yeah, Yeah. way bad. Yeah. Do you have, do you have like... What would like a high like a higher you tell you about that? Like do do you think there's like I mean part of me knows look you you wouldn't be you wouldn't be no one's paying me really for my guitar. Yeah. My guitar skills. They're paying well, me because I'm funny and I made and I found a way to make humor and too. guitar work. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Um nobody in the Beatles was the best at their instrument. Totally. But well, it's also maybe like I mean, it's so tricky to kind of like it's risky either way. It's risky to think like, well, I have this success because I work really hard and like I've made these choices and mm-hmm. I have good judgment about people or whatever opportunities. Yeah. It's 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 risky to think that because then if it stops working, it's like I don't know, like it can I really propel this? And it's also risky to think like, it's just lucky. Like it's so hard to know how to balance. Like, you know, if you think it's all you, you can kill yourself trying to like make something work that isn't going to work. Right. It's, it's the value in the product, you know, uh, who, who makes more money, Ruth's Chris or McDonald's McDonald's. Yeah. But it's not a better product. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's convenient. And same thing with music. I'll tell people, I don't know if you know many guitar players, but I'll, I'll say, oh yeah, you can watch uh, Ingve Malmsteen or Steve Vai light a guitar on fire with their fingers and just play that yeah. thing at this ridiculously high level. Yeah. But I would rather listen to the Beatles sing, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. Which is three chords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the value in what it is. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's and that's that's more like where I think like it's about art like art and craft get a little like um I think art and entertainment there's a difference difference there too. Totally. Joni Mitchell's you, art, Britney Spears' is entertainment. Yeah. Do you want to like elaborate on that at all? Yeah, I mean it's it's like so if you if you're and this is snobby, 
But if you're listening to Joni Mitchell or Bob Dylan, who I don't even like, but I can I know what he does. Yeah. Or or uh these amazing songwriters, that's art because it makes you think. It makes you think, what's this person feeling? What's this person interpret interpreting? But if you watch Britney Spears shake her ass and say, You make me crazy. Yeah. It's not I wouldn't necessarily call that art, but you're like, oh, that's interesting. I'm I'm bobbing my head. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that kind of music is more entertainment. Totally. Yeah. I've um, talked about this with guests before. I think I think I I get issues about this stuff because I I really believe that like my parents and just kind of my family in general don't believe that art exists. I think they think that all art is trying to be entertainment and some of it okay. fails. Like like Joni Mitchell is trying to be Britney Spears and she's just bad at it. Because she hasn't sold as many records. Yeah. yeah. Or because she hasn't just figured out how to just be catchier already. You yeah. Know? Write a hook. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. kind of like there's an old saying, what's the difference between a jazz musician and a rock musician? A rock musician plays three chords for 5,000 people. A jazz musician plays 5,000 chords for three people. It's too real. It's yeah. too close to home for me. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, gosh, I think we've pretty much done it unless there's anything else you want to soapbox about. Um. It's it's an open platform. It's kind of it's it's weird. I don't see. I know that what I do is in a way art or creative, yeah. but I don't I don't see myself as that because maybe it's imposter syndrome. But also, I'm not back to what we perceive as art. I'm not writing these amazing yeah. pieces. I'm not you know I'm not one of these great songwriters. There's so many songwriters people have never even heard of that write yeah. songs for other people. The Diane Warrens, the yeah 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 people like that. I see myself as just a goofball who made it work. I think, yeah, like I said before, art is like such a, art is loaded. Art feels academic somehow. It's, it's very broad. But like you're in the arts, um, you know. Yeah, like, I'm in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And I think comedy, comedy is, is art. I mean, of course it's going to depend, depend on like which set, which audience, like mm -hmm. corporate gigs, maybe aren't always the place for that. But like no. even, you know, just observational humor or like a well-written stand-up, you know, it's art because it makes you kind of like go like see yourself in a different way yeah. or see, you know. I think there's artistic comedians. I mean, if you listen to Bill Hicks or Doug Stanhope, they're making these super valid points yeah. about society in a super funny way. Yeah. But then How you also have... Art? You know, dudes who are just, here's a song I wrote about my wife, and it's a, a goofy, funny song. Not yeah. necessarily art, but it's entertaining, so I guess it is sure. art. I I am very liberal about what art is, you know? Me too. Yeah. And, and for the longest time, I was always like, I remember in my 20s being a snob, because if the singer didn't write, he sucked. Yeah. I'd always, my my friend, and where I grew up is pretty rural, and I have a, I have a big history in country music, too. But my friend would be like, his favorite singer was George Strait. And I was like, George Strait doesn't write songs, therefore he sucks. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's but like, as you I've gotten apply older, a different I'm kind of like, like, not, no, that's not the case. Totally. Elvis never wrote a song. Frank Sinatra never wrote a song. Right. Does that mean they suck? No. No. Yeah. It's just a different, it's the same thing I was saying about the elk painting. Like maybe there's just a different, but. Yeah. They're interpreting I something, your, I take your something point like on the, that. On but I would painting. rather, <laughs> me is, is somewhat of a, an art, 
artistic brain or a creative brain. Yeah. I would rather see, and when I was a kid, a kid, I didn't get Picasso. I'm like, that looks yeah. like a kindergarten. It looks like drill. garbage, yeah. But you didn't kind of know but, what the lens, you didn't know how to look at it. Right. But then I would see somebody who just drew an absolutely perfect picture of a woman. Yeah. That looks like a photograph. And yeah. I'm like, that's a true artist. But now I flip-flopped. I'm like, that guy just just drew something he saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picasso so, interpreted it right. into this weird thing. I d- okay, I, re- I, th- I, I have one other thing I want to ask you about. So I get really on one about applying creativity to like how we think about ideas, how we think about people. Um, and I feel like I've been especially on one about this lately because, I don't know, I live in Utah County and it's crazy mm-hmm. here. And it's crazy everywhere. But, um, you know, I feel like for me as a creative, that's such a big part of it for me. Like looking at other people and thinking like, why are they like that? Or like, why might they be like that? Or what might we have in common? Creative people dissect. Yeah. And do you have, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but is there anything you want to say about how like these skills that we have are valuable in like a broader, like. Yeah. I think so. A lot of times if you'll read people on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, they'll be like, just be, they're that celebrity who cares what they say just because they're rich and famous doesn't mean their opinion's more valid and my my brain kind of says their opinion might be a little more valid because if this let's say 60 year old rock star has an opinion about something in the political climate or socially or whatever he has been around the world 10 times he has met every single person from every walk yeah. of life he has it's a good point he has dealt with things Joe Schmo, who who lives in a small town and works at a tire shop, has never even thought about. Yeah. So I kind of take a person's world experience into 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 play when when I'm listening to the point they're making. Because yeah. and this sounds awful and this sounds super negative, but I I grew up in a small town and a lot of times people who never left will be voicing about p- politics yeah. and social justice and yeah. and I and and a lot of times I want to be like you haven't seen you haven't you seen don't anything know. you I, haven't yeah. been out of the, out in the world I mean I feel like I've barely been out in the world but I still I still experience that so often same I'm I'm very sheltered I've traveled out of the country I've traveled all over the place and I've seen and done a ton of things but I still see myself as pretty sheltered yeah. Man, just like just having the creative, the creativity and like the curiosity to just think about the stuff you don't know, like just to kind of I love, be aware of what you don't know. I love it. And that's kind of why I don't really get into politics. I have my opinions and my stance and who I don't, who I do and I don't like. But like whenever a headline drops, so such and such signed a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's a headline. I wasn't there. I don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah. So I try to be subjective about everything. Yeah. Unless it's blatant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least just, yeah, just curious. Just having a little bit of curiosity. Don't jump to conclusion. Yeah. It's easy to, and you know, uh, not to get political, but people like, oh, Trump signed this bill that's doing this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I bet if you read deeper into that, it's probably a little different than what you're thinking. Well, it doesn't help anybody to like exaggerate like that. I think people think it helps like, Oh well, we're you know we'll maybe blow this out of proportion, but like the 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 end justifies the means a little bit because we feel you know like yeah um we feel like we're we're right about this, but it like that it just undercuts like any possibility of like having creative people, conversation. People love to use extreme examples of things to justify their stance. Yeah, 
on either way, no matter political, socially, whatever. You can be like, uh, not every tr- I know a, z- a bazillion Trump supporters. None of them I know hate gay people. None yeah. of them I know are, are like blatantly racist. They could probably learn some things. Liberals, I got some people who are hard, hard left. None of them are on welfare. Yeah. None of them are yeah. are seeking safe spaces and crying in a corner. Yeah. So if people would just stop using extreme know, examples yeah. as the whole. Yeah. Let let's like think about how like all of the ways in which we want the same things. Right. All the ways in which we have the same values. Every person I talk to, if if it's a person on the right, I'm like, you're more liberal than you think. And totally. my super liberal friends, I'm like, you're more conservative than you think. Yeah. And if you get talking, you're like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. We're, yeah. We, we mostly care about a lot of the same stuff. Right. We mostly feel like that's wrong about a lot of the same stuff. And mm-hmm. like that is feel good about a lot of the same if stuff. If people would just listen to each other's stance. Yeah. You know, why do you think that way? Oh, well, I never thought of it like that. Amen. Okay. My final question that I ask everybody. All right. What's your dream collaboration on this day? Um, me and Jennifer Aniston awesome. collaborating on anything. I'm sure you know this, but she's like <laughs> one of only very, very few people who turned down SNL. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Her and Cheryl Crow are my absolute dream women. But artistically, a, a, a collaboration. Cheryl Crow is so cool. I just, she's, I was slow on that, but very cool. She's so like, I got a crush on her, but she's also the most, t- she's so talented. Yeah. I yeah. don't even like her music. I don't know. I don't have a single Cheryl Crow song on my phone, but I know she can write, she can play, she can sing, yeah. she can do all of that. And that's just so impressive. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Jennifer Aniston's cool too. Jennifer Aniston, yeah. she's just. But like, yeah, she, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, that she's one of only like, like a super, super small handful of people to be like offered SNL. I wonder why like, she did. I mean, probably because you don't get to be as sexy as she is. You know, like, but you know she what? Prob- she it's probably like a, a branding decision. She's not afraid to be goofy though. Totally. But maybe like she can kind of be a rectangle and a square if she's yeah. not on SNL. Yeah. And if she's on SNL, then maybe she gets pigeonholed a little. Maybe. Like, Kristen Wiig is totally hot, but people aren't going to see. Kristen Wiig like they see Jennifer Aniston right because she's she was funny she's first too funny yeah yeah but like Jennifer Aniston is also hilarious mm-hmm. but like she it wasn't as like hey this is what I am it's like I'm beautiful and also like I just I'm not saying it's better or worse but I I can imagine why she would make that decision yeah no that makes sense um collaboration though that was just me being goofy I don't know what I would collaborate with her on I'm not an actor I mean but uh I don't know. I've never really collaborated with anybody other than Marcus and my bandmates. I just because if if yeah. I were to, if I were to get in a room with some, some of my idols, if Paul McCartney was sitting across from me yeah. right now with a guitar, I would freeze up. Yeah. What am I going to bring to the table? It's really. I just want to know, like, what would you love to do? Or I mean, it could even be like sometimes people will tell me like a venue or like you know if I'm interviewing a photographer, they're not gonna. They're, it's not a collabor- It's not a collaborative medium, but they're gonna be like, I'd love to photograph this person. You know, so it can be, I, I just like to know kind my, of like what so kind of like a dream, kind of like yeah. a goal, but I like it to involve other people. Just I would love to play in a large venue and I, I've, I've played in large venues. I played in 8,000 seat stadium before opening for David Blaine, but I would love to awesome. play. This will never happen in like Usana or a big opening playing electric guitar with a band because that was why i started playing guitar just like drowned in sound just the big loud drums the 
20,000 screaming people, even if I was just opening for somebody. Pyrotechnics. Yeah, Yeah. I would just love to experience that, and I probably never will. It's just, I I feel like it tells us something about each other to kind of just, like, what is that thing that you're like, oh, that'd be so cool. It's the rock star dream that I had when I was 14 that is still a seed in my brain somewhere. Yeah, it's important. It's it's an important... It's an important identity yeah. ingredient. Yep. Finally, tell everybody where to find you. Um, Facebook, just Guy Seidel. Um, I hope you're not afraid of language or content. I don't, I don't, nothing's political, but I, I speak my mind as far as humor goes. I'm and and fairly sure that anyone who listens regularly to my podcast is an open-minded individual. Good. Um, Again, I don't get political or deep, but I do say the F word. And you know, since my mom died, I'm like, whatever. You. I'm yeah. gonna say, I'm gonna say whatever I want. <laughs> um, so Facebook, just Guy Seidel, S E I D E L. Same on Instagram, uh, MarcusandGuy.com. That's our website. Um, I forgot. Does that have an ampersand in the website? No, it's and. Okay, Marcus A-N-D. and. Okay. Uh, yeah, MarcusandGuy.com, and then, yeah, come to some shows. We do Wise Guys. It's a little more sporadic now with yeah. with COVID, but we've done two gigs since. Yeah, at Wise Guys of Ogden, but you can find us, and we do. Again, if you're listening and you do corporate events, or if you have a company that wants to hire us, that's what we specialize yeah. in. Yeah, awesome guy. Thanks so much for coming. To thanks talk for having me. me. I loved it. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.